Good evening, and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight, we'll be study number 23 of Revelation chapter 1. And we're presently reading in verse 7, which says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. And we spent some time looking at the idea of Christ coming with clouds, and we saw how that relates, or how the Bible identifies that as coming in the Scripture. That is, as we have learned, Judgment Day is spiritual to begin with, and the duration of the Day of Judgment is a spiritual judgment upon mankind. And then it finishes with the actual end of the world and the believers meeting the Lord in the air in the clouds with the rapture on the very last day of this day of judgment. But when we see this language that he cometh with clouds, as it's found here and in Matthew 24 and some other places, it is language that is directing us to the understanding that Christ is coming as the judge, and we will learn this through the Bible. We will see him in um, the eyes of our understanding as God opens up those eyes to see what he is doing in this time. Now, let's look at this second part of this phrase. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And we we want to be sure that we're being as careful as we can with the Bible. Now, why can't this just refer to every human being? Why can't this be everyone in the world or everyone that has ever lived? Well, for one thing, it cannot be every person who has ever lived saved and unsaved because the unsaved people who died in time past they are gone they they no longer have any life they no longer have any eyes to see anything they'll never know anything ever again the moment they died they perished and it's only what's left of their physical body that remains so there's no possibility they could ever see Christ coming in the day of judgment. Well, yes, that's true. The Bible teaches annihilation. Well, well, then it has to be referring to every human being alive upon the earth. When Jesus returns, every eye will see him then. Well, we'll take a look at that and we'll see how that isn't possible. And it's not what God is saying here. And we also want to investigate why it is that God uses the word I, singular, rather than eyes, plural. In other words, why didn't God say, and everyone's eyes shall see him? After all, most people have two eyes, and and why not say everyone's eyes? Or the word every here is actually often translated as all. As a matter of fact, in the very same verse, 
in verse 7 towards the end where it says, All kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. It's the same Greek word translated as all there. And, and so it could read all I. But the translators knew that didn't sound right. It would have to be plural. All eyes shall see him. And so they they made the decision to say every eye. And yet, why is that? Why singular and not plural? Well, we'll find as we check that out that that's going to give us the answer as to who exactly is in view in this verse. Is it every human being in the world? Is it just the true believers? Because it's the believers that would be looking in the Bible, looking for and hasting unto the coming day of God, searching the scriptures. And and there we would see Christ coming in the clouds as we learn that the clouds identifies with the word of God. But we, again, want to prove that. So let's look at this idea of every eye or let's just see what the Old Testament has to say. And we've heard this often, even in the world, many people quote this scripture from Exodus 21, and I'm going to read a few verses here, beginning in verse 22 through 25. If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished, according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, strike for strike. And there we find the language of eye for eye. An eye for an eye. And we think, well, if anyone harms you, then the Bible says you can harm them back. Well, no, that's not true. That's how people in the world use it. If someone has injured them in some way, they think it's justification for taking vengeance against them. And that isn't the case at all. No, God is here laying down a a rather simple law. And that is that a transgression demands equal satisfaction. And notice that here it's speaking of a woman with child that someone hurts and her child departs from her. And in that context, we read eye for eye, tooth for tooth. You know, you might be interested to find out that in verse 26 of Exodus 21, It says, and if a man smite the eye of his servant or the eye of his maid, that it perish, he shall let him go free for his eye's sake. And if he smite out his manservant's tooth or the maidservant's tooth, he shall let him go free for his tooth's sake. Now, there would have been a perfect place for God to say he he smote his servant's eye. He will pay with his eye. It, if it were literally an eye for an eye, and same thing with the tooth, he knocked out his servant's tooth, so his tooth must be knocked out. But we don't find that. What we do find is when a wrong 
has occurred when someone commits a wrongdoing. In other words, when they have transgressed the law of God, we, we call it more commonly sin. When a person sins, there must be satisfaction for their transgression. It must be a just payment for their sin. For instance, we also find in Leviticus chapter 24, and let's turn over there, Leviticus 24, and beginning in verse 17. And he that killeth any man shall surely be put to death. And he that killeth a beast shall make it good, beast for beast. And if a man cause a blemish in his neighbor, as he has done, so shall it be done to him. Breach for breach, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he has caused a blemish in a man, so shall it be done to him again. And he that killeth a beast, he shall restore it. And he that killeth a man, he shall be put to death. Now all sorts of wrongdoings are listed here. Someone who kills a man, someone who kills a beast, someone who causes a blemish in his neighbor. And in this context, we read eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and so on. The, the law has pronounced the judgment. There must be an equality in payment. That is the important principle that God wants us to understand regarding the law of an eye for an eye. It has nothing to do with any individual seeking vengeance. God is the offended one. Against him, him only, have we sinned. If we sin against any person, we're, in the first instance, sinning against God. We have offended him and his law. We, we have transgressed the law. The law says the wages of sin is death. If we offend in one point, we are guilty of all. And that means we are subject to death, to being destroyed with an eternal destruction where we will be annihilated and cease to exist forevermore. This, this is the equal payment that the law of God demands for any one of our sins, whether it be murder or or injuring an animal or hurting a man, knocking um, someone's tooth out, whatever it is, whatever wrongdoing we're guilty of, the payment that God's law requires is death. And that's what this um, language of an eye for an eye is getting at, that we have broken the law of God, and the law of God must be satisfied somehow. Now also, in Deuteronomy chapter 19, we read a little bit more about this, in beginning in verse 16, it says, If a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong, then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before Jehovah, before the priests and the judges, which shall be in those days. And the judges shall make diligent inquisition. And behold, if the witness be a false witness and has testified falsely against his brother, then shall ye do unto him as he has thought to have done unto his brother. So shalt thou put the evil away from among you. 
and those which remain shall hear and fear, and shall henceforth commit no more any such evil among you. And thine eye shall not pity, but life shall go for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. And God here is again establishing equality. Here's a man of false witness who rose up and lied against his brother, hoping, for whatever reason, that his brother would be punished, that some penalty fall upon the one he is lying against, that he suffer somehow because of his lie. Well, God establishes the law that the false witness, if he's caught in his lie, is to experience that same judgment that he had hoped would come upon his brother. So if this man were lying and saying, I saw him kill someone or murder, then it could be that that man would lose his life as a result. There is an equality of payment. And and in this context, again, notice it's something different each time. It was a woman whose fruit departed from her when she was injured. There was a murder or, or the killing of beasts. Here it's a false witness. And in each case, God is using the same language. Eye for eye and uh, hand for hand, foot for foot. And in order to let us know this is my law. God's law is just. He uh, he is like the scales. We have offended him, and and that is the weight of our sin is laid on one scale. And then justice demands death to equal out our transgressions. And, and so we will die at the hand of God as he pours out his wrath upon us and destroys us, or... There is the possibility that we could have become a child of God during the day of salvation and the Lord Jesus Christ could have taken these sins upon himself and died on our behalf for our sins. And, of course, that's the the good news of the gospel, that we then would be free and no longer have to make payment. The I that God requires would have been given by Christ. The foot would have been given by him. By him, The hand would have been given by him. You know, that not that interesting that we do read there eye and foot and hand? Of course, it also mentions the tooth. But in, in the New Testament, we read something interesting in a couple of places, but I'm just going to read in Mark chapter 9. And I'm sure you'll uh, remember this. A passage once I start reading in verse 42. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. 
It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Now, isn't it interesting how God has spoken of the hand, the foot, and the eye here? And we just read some verses in the Old Testament where the law of God says, eye for eye, hand for hand, foot for foot. And now God is saying, well, if your eye offend thee, pluck it out. If your hand offend thee, cut it off. If your foot offend thee, cut it off. And we can only understand this, that God is referring to the child of God whose sins are an offense. And we we sin with our eyes, we sin with our hands, we sin with our feet, and the hand and the foot represent our will. We constantly have sinned and offended God and his law. And due to that offense, we are subject to the wrath of God and to that eternal death, the second death, to be annihilated. And so here God is saying, if you find your eye has offended you or your hand or your foot, here's what you do. Get rid of it. Pluck it out, cut it off, and so on. And that reminds us, eye for eye. We have offended the law of God. The law of God requires an eye. We have transgressed the law of God. The law of God requires a foot. We have broken the law of God. The law of God requires a hand. And of course, we cannot ourselves make this payment. If if we were making payment for our sins, then we would never be able to pay the penalty. No, it is the Lord Jesus Christ who has made payment for us. And as Christ took upon himself our sins before the foundation of the world, and God uh, poured out his wrath upon him, and as Christ died for our sins, it is as though our eye has been plucked out, and and foot has been cut off, and hand has been cut off. But now here is the significant thing for our present study as we're looking at Revelation chapter 1. Let's read Mark nine forty seven once again. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Here the believer... All believers must have their eye plucked out, and and therefore we are typified as someone with one eye. It is the unbelievers that have two eyes because they have not as yet made payment for their sin. 
So they have two hands, they have two feet, and they have two eyes, and and then uh, they will go with their full body, with their two eyes into the grave. They will die, and and they will not experience the blessings of God or eternal life uh, in any way. But the true believer is likened to someone with one eye. Now, that explains why Revelation chapter 1, verse 7 says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye, singular, shall see him. That is, every child of God, the true believers, who have experienced the salvation of God, who, through Christ, have made payment for their sins. They are the elect people of God, and they will be looking in the scriptures as the clouds identifies with the Bible, and there they will see him with their singular eye, because God will open up the eyes of their understanding to realize what he has done when we have entered into the day of judgment.